All right, everybody, I'm Logan Alec. I'm a CPA, and this is my update for Sunday, February 28th. As I've mentioned previously, it's obviously great news that the stimulus bill has passed the House. It wasn't really surprising, uh, but it's quite obvious at this point that there's still a lot of work to do, and frankly, changes to be made to this bill before it hits Biden's desk. As you know, the Senate parliamentarian's ruling will end up preventing Democrats from passing the $15 minimum wage in the upcoming relief bill. Obviously, that adds a lot of uncertainty to the future of the minimum wage. There will need to be 10 Republican votes for any minimum wage law that's passed as conventional legislation, which means that we might see a smaller increase, possibly tied to other conservative policy priorities that will get more Republicans on board. On the other hand, removing the minimum wage from the stimulus bill that will pass through reconciliation might actually make it easier for Democrats to get moderates like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema on board, since both have come out against the $15 minimum wage and could use their leverage to hold up the bill. But on the other hand, if you scrap the minimum wage entirely, you could have progressives like Bernie Sanders holding everything up. That said, you will recall Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, his threats to kind of hold up the December stimulus bill didn't really come to much. So are we going to see the same kind of positioning here if the Senate bill ends up being something that Sanders doesn't find to his liking? I don't know. Washington Post has reported more details on the Plan B that Senate Democrats are working on now that the $15 minimum wage provision is being removed, and it looks like they might just be targeting companies with $2.5 billion or more in gross receipts that failed to pay their workers at least $15 an hour. Nothing is finalized yet. We still don't know what this will look like by the time it gets to the floor, but the current plan includes a 5% tax penalty for those companies. That might be enough to get progressives on board, at least for now. Um, you know, without going as far as the flat $15 minimum wage that was pushing away some, you know, more moderate members of the Democratic caucus. Of course, it's also very late to be coming up with a whole new minimum wage plan, particularly given that they're looking to pass this bill in the next couple of weeks. Now, the $2.5 billion threshold would actually exclude the majority of people who earn minimum wage. And those corporations, those billion-dollar corporations, could potentially get around the requirement by hiring independent contractors or at least categorizing workers as independent contractors instead of wage-earning employees, which is a whole separate can of worms because we know right now many states are taking another look at what it means to be an employee and at what it means to be an independent contractor and looking to classify more workers as employees rather than contractors. So again, this is all in flux. There's a lot that could change before the Senate vote. But at this point, it seems likely that the Senate will vote on some kind of makeshift minimum wage plan that will hopefully appease both the uh, more progressive wing of the party and the more moderate wing of the party. There may be another push for minimum wage increase later on this year once they pass this relief bill, but obviously that later push would require at least some Republicans to get on board. All right, in COVID news, the FDA officially issued a more emergency use authorization for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, it can now be given to anyone age 18 or older. Nearly 4 million doses are expected to be available this week. As I mentioned previously, there are a few advantages associated with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The first one is that it's only a single dose and it's also easier to store during distribution. This would increase our vaccine supply by roughly 25%. And even though the numbers in terms of prevention don't look as good compared to the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines, it's still highly effective when it comes to reducing the risk of the most severe cases. Dr. Paul Offit, an infectious disease expert, told CNN that one dose will keep you out of the hospital, keep you out of the intensive care unit, and keep you out of the morgue. So that's great vaccine news going into March. 
Roughly 7% of the population has already received both doses of one of the other two vaccines, so we're making slow but steady progress when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable and minimizing the overall spread. All right, everybody, that's all I have for you today. It is a slow news day today at the end of the weekend, uh, but we'll be back to normal this week once the Senate starts moving forward with the COVID relief bill. Again, the minimum wage will probably be at the center of those negotiations. It's hard to say whether they could get 50 votes with no minimum wage increase at all. I don't think the more progressive senators would go for that. But at the same time, it's tough to get your entire caucus, every single member on board with a new plan with the floor vote, when the floor vote is just a week or two away. So we'll likely see some give and take here as Schumer and other party leaders have to look for something that might not be anyone's first choice, but is at least enough to get them to vote for the stimulus package and get everyone on board. That could be Ron Wyden's plan B, or it might end up being something else. As always, thank you so much for watching to the end. I will see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, in a video I've created on how car dealerships rip you off and what you can do about it. That'll be followed up later in the day uh, by my daily news updates. So I will see you in both of those videos tomorrow. Bye-bye.